Good morning. You're listening to Morning Musings on Divine Mercy Radio with Matthew Hogan. And now, here's Matthew. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Musings. My name is Matthew Hogan, and today I'm joined by Susan Kirkland, who is an oblate of St. Benedict and is in charge of running the Three Hearts campaign out in Beloit, Kansas. Where does the history of this place start? Because I've heard of it before, but I don't actually know that many details. The building itself was built in 1880 by a gentleman by the name of F.H. Hart, H-A-R-T. He was the first banker in Beloit, and the urban legend goes that he was courting a second wife from Kansas City. She didn't want to move to Beloit. He said, if I build a mansion, would you come? And he did, and she did. He built the house for $13,000 back in 1880. Pretty much everything comes from out of state. Beautiful, beautiful home. The story goes on that they married, and shortly after their wedding, he died of a massive heart attack at the bank. She turned around and sold the house for $12,000 and left Beloit and never looked back. So the story is that she slowly poisoned him. And that's the beginnings of the F.H. Hart House, as the Historic Society would call it. The other interesting thing about Mr. Hart was he was a Freemason. He was a member of the Odd Fellows. So there are Masonic ties to the house as well, right from the beginning. That's the history of the house. It's only been owned by about six other families before coming into the ownership of Ecclesia 2020, which is my charity. That happened on October 1st, 2020, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Exactly. The papers were signed. Deeded to my charity for a dollar and then we walked across the street and I paid the back taxes off because it was about to go on the auction block with the sheriff's auction in the fall. So I paid off the back taxes and cleared the property. Part of the interesting thing about that scenario and how I even got involved with it was because of the word was getting out that the house was going on the auction block. There was a committee in Beloit, the foundations, the historic museum, and some other concerned citizens that wanted to preserve the house because it's such an important landmark in Beloit. It's right across the street from the courthouse. And there had been inquiries from out of state. A couple of individuals wanted to purchase the house to harvest all the limestone and then implode the rest of the house into the basement and sell the lot. Um, The Historic Society did not want to do that. This house is registered on both the national and the state registers. Then there were people who inquired they wanted to flip it and having restored historic properties, I I know what that means and that just means someone is, I always say it's Home Depoting a house. So you strip out all the character, you strip out all the beautiful historic architecture and artistry and just put in a bunch of modern stuff and the Historic Society didn't want that to happen either. So the foundations were looking to possibly take it over so they had the house rezoned for mixed use. So they could have offices in there, they might be able to have a museum in there, they might be able to have people living there like a caretaker. It was zoned mixed use. Then an inquiry came in and I'm, I'm the secretary on this little committee because I have no clout in Beloit. I'm there because I came with Mother Miriam and the sisters when Bishop relocated us to Beloit. That's how I got to Beloit. That's why I'm still in Beloit. And Topeka got a call from a gentleman in, in Beloit asking when the house was going on the auction block because they wanted to buy it for their new lodge. And the call came to the Mitchell County Historic Executive Director. He called me and he said, you have to take the house. And I said, oh, no, no. I just sold a 4,000 square foot house and all my belongings We went to the convent. He said, you don't understand. You're the only Christian on the table and the Masons want it for their lodge. You have to take it. So we spoke to the current owner who was way in over his head. He didn't have the money, the income. He didn't have anything 
to take care of the house. The roof had been destroyed in a hailstorm about 10 years ago, and it never got repaired. So water had been seeping down into the lath and plaster for about 10 years or so. And he prayed on it. He's a baptized Catholic, but he strayed away from the church. And he was very much into all the new age stuff, Reiki, astral travel, all of that. But whatever moved his heart, he agreed to sell it to my charity if it would serve God. So that's how it came into my possession. Wow, that's quite a ride. So since then, it's been a few years and there's been a lot of work on the house is what I've heard. So what has been done and where is it going in the future? Like what are the plans we got? I entered the convent on October 1st, 2020 at three o'clock in the afternoon was when I knocked on the door of the Priory in Tulsa, Oklahoma with Mother Miriam. And so just seeing God's hand, knowing that this house transferred ownership again on October 1st at three o'clock in the afternoon, the feast day of St. Therese of Lisieux, which we had a miracle that day, that afternoon after we came back from paying the taxes. Father Jarrett and Father Andrew were there. There were a number of families there. And there were two vintage rose bushes on either side of this bay window. And each rose bush each had a fresh new bloom on it. Anyone who grows roses know that rose blooms do not happen in October. So that was a beautiful sign. I dedicated the house on October 1st to Divine Mercy, because I received my calling on Divine Mercy Sunday of 2020. So I dedicated the house to Divine Mercy. I asked Father Andrew if he would consecrate the house to the three hearts, or I should say to the Holy Family, because the family's under such attack. And he asked me to get an image of the Holy Family with their hearts exposed which God provided. And on October 15th at three o'clock in the afternoon, Father Andrew consecrated the house to the Holy Family. And it was then, because at that point I've been calling the house the Heart House as an H-E-A-R-T, not the original gentleman's last name, but I, I kind of morphed it over. And Father Andrew looked at me and said, I think it's supposed to be called the Three Hearts. I just said, so be it. And that's how the house got its name. We started the renovations in October. There was a lot to do. The house had mold, all the radiators had cracked and the pipes were broken because the Radiant heat hadn't been winterized 15, 16 years prior, so there'd been no heat in the house. The gentleman who owned the house was from Massachusetts, and he only came during the summer. So the rest of the time, the house was locked up, and the water and electricity, everything was shut down. So the house had been really neglected and needed a lot of loving care. So we had to start by just emptying the house. This poor gentleman was also a hoarder, so that was a large part was just emptying the house of everything that was was in there, so we could start. We've had two angel sightings over the house, which I've shared with you the photos that were taken by the individuals. The first was on October 18th when a gentleman from Salina came up to check out the house for me and make sure it was structurally sound to restore. He photographed the first angel over the house. The next day, the house was blessed to have Bishop Vinky and Father Peter O'Donnell visit. And Bishop just asked me what the what the vision was. And I took him to the front of the house and I said, there will be a cross up there. And we went into the house and I explained the kitchen would be a welcome center of some sort, which it is now the JMJ Cafe, which is a beautiful Christian coffee house and walked into the dining room. I said, this will be a prayer room. Walked into the next room. I said, this will be the Divine Mercy Chapel. And then the adjacent chapel, I said, this will be the Holy Trinity Chapel and the altar will go there. I took them upstairs and I said, there will be two consecrated men living here. I will never live in this house. And there, there was a retreat center. I said, there'll be a retreat center down in the lowest level, which at that point I didn't take them through because it was filled with mold and mildew. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of work to do down there to get it ready. The second angel was photographed on December 18th by a woman in Beloit, who a dear woman, who is mentally and, and physically challenged. And she photographed it the morning of December 18th, sent it to me saying an angel was seen. You can see the roofers on the roof because the very, very first thing we did to the house other than trying to clean it out was get the roof repaired.
storage, so it made sense to be repairing walls and ceilings and everything. So I had to get the roof sealed up, and she photographed that the morning of December 18th. That afternoon at 4 o'clock, one of the roofers fell off the roof on the north side, fell 35 feet to the ground, and this dear woman saw him fall and ran across the street and held his head and prayed over him until the first responders got there. But I talked to the first responders, and they said they pretty much anticipated dead man on arrival, but he didn't, and he was Hispanic, so he only spoke Spanish. He's from Hutchison. So they took him, loaded him up, and took him to the emergency room, and a good friend of mine, Dr. Chris Morosis, was on call, and she examined him for internal bleeding and brain injury, and there was none of that, so she airlifted him to Wichita. Chris thought the same thing when she got the call from the first responders that he would die on the way to the emergency room because of, of how far he fell, and he landed on a plank of plywood, which probably broke his fall from the frozen ground and the concrete or the limestone that he would have fallen on, and airlifted him to Wichita. The emergency room doctor, his young wife now is there, according to the roofing contractor he was telling me, and the emergency room doctor told the young wife that he would never walk again, and he had landed on some rusty roofing nails as well. They weren't really cleaning up, so he had puncture wounds, and they gave him a tetanus shot for that, and then they had to stabilize him, and the surgeon came in and assured his wife that he will walk again, and on the 20th of December, he had three pins put in his right hip and then they had to watch him so he wouldn't get infection or sepsis or anything and on December 30th he went home. We will now return to the Sunrise Morning Show.